I believe that God has a word for us this morning. That he sent his miracle in the mess for us this morning. And I know 2020 hasn't been the year that we wanted it to be. But I would rather put my trust in Jesus and not make 2020 any harder than it is because I believe that God still has a work to be done. There's still weeks to be done in 2020, meaning that God is not finished. God is never finished. So I'm going to shout this out for John and James from I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, if you're still breathing, he is still working. All right? I want you to get in that mindset this morning. So the title for my message for you and I've already mentioned it, it's called The Miracle in the Mess. The miracle that, that came into the mess. Last week, Pastor John, he took us through what it meant to be patient. How when we're patient in our spiritual life, how God can do great things through that. The thing is, when you're patient, that means you're waiting on something. And so today I hope to show you what you're waiting on and what has already happened. So if you don't mind, you can grab your Bibles at this time. Get the Bible app if you're online. Uh, we thank you so much for being here. We're going to have the words on the screen for you. We're going to be in Luke chapter 1, verse 26 through 38. So I'm going to give you a moment to flip there with me. And it says in Luke chapter 1, verse 26, it says in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at, say, at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your room and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary responds and said to the angel, how will this be since I'm a virgin? And the angel answered her and said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. God bless the reading of his word this time. I think it's something truly awesome and truly special about this passage, about this message, the calling on Mary's life to bear the child of the Savior of the world to be. He says, Greetings, highly favored one. Y'all like my deep voice for the angel. I don't know how they sound, but I, you know, try to make them sound majestic. But I don't know about you, but Mary at this time was probably around in her days. At that time when women got married, they're around the ages from 11 to 15-ish. 
So I'm going to guess if some angel busted up in my house when I'm 12 years old and said, greetings, highly favored one, I'd be like, okay, there's about to be a problem. Like, we're about to fight. I don't know what's going to happen, but uh, yeah, this is weird. But luckily, Mary isn't like me, and she responds definitely a lot better than I would respond at the age of 12 or in that age range. And so in all all seriousness, what an awesome calling. To bear the son of Jesus, I mean, the son of God that is Jesus. That's an amazing thing. And, and it's truly, he says, you're called to this, to be chosen for the ministry, to be blessed in God in this way. I, it, it's, it, I, I can't imagine it. That feeling, that, that pressure of being called to something so great. But I think we're going to see as it is with us, so it is with Mary that her life ended up being a complete contrast from that saying, greetings, oh, favored one. See, in this chapter, she is the favored one. She is the blessed one. She is the called one. But would she know that just around the corner, that she would have this birth in a stable with dirty animals and and, an unsanitized area, that, that's not how we plan on having kids. I, I, don't, I don't know any mom in here that would not want to have their kid at Texas Children's rather than in a stable with horses and pigs and, and all the nastiest. And, and there's no hand sanitizer in this day and age, okay? Right? They're not wearing masks. They're not, they're not doing all that stuff like we are today. In chapter 2, verse 52, we see that the Bible says that Jesus increased in wisdom. He increased in stature. He was beginning to be favored by man, and he was definitely favored by God. And how wonderful as a mother, you want to see your kids loved and cared for and favored. How great that was at that moment for Mary that her son was doing this thing. But not so many years later, Jesus leaves and he returns back to Nazareth, his hometown. It says in chapter 4, verse 29, that the crowds got up. They drove Jesus out of the town and took him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built to throw him down the cliff. So the once loved and he was growing in favor and and, in wisdom and in stature and favor with God. And a few chapters later, they want to throw Jesus down the cliff. There's no doubt in my mind that on Palm Sunday that Mary was rejoicing as a mother as the crowds greeted Jesus enthusiastically. And they loved him. And she felt vindicated for the first time that her son was truly saw, uh, saw for who he really was, which was the son of God. That all the, all the glory that was supposed to be in it that wasn't there was finally coming to life. All the, the shame that, that was on her because she had him and the perceived notion that she had it in adultery, baby Jesus, like all that was there and it finally felt like it was gone. But then a week later, they would kill him on the cross. And the glory that was finally back was once again gone. And the shame that had finally left the family was brought back onto the family. And I say all this to help us realize the huge contrast that continued to happen throughout her life as the called mother of Jesus. The the angel said, greetings, highly favored one. And maybe we read the Bible time and time again, like I do. And I see that I'm supposed to be favored and that you're supposed to be favored. 
and that we're blessed and we are children of God and he chose us and he died for us and, and, and things are supposed to be great. But yet sometimes we find ourselves in life saying, man, if I'm favored, God really has a funny way of showing it. And there are some, probably some joyful moments in the season, like right now in Christmas season. I've never met a person that had a bad Christmas day. If you had a bad Christmas day, I want to see you after service. I, I don't know very many people that have a bad Christmas day. And for me, I remember all the Christmas days and Thanksgivings. We spend time with family and friends, and it's all fun and, and, and everything. But what about the other 364 days? Does the one highlight of the year that is great overshadow all the bad stuff that has happened over the 364 days of the year? It doesn't erase it. And this is what Mary life had been like in a few moments of great joy, but there was a lot of deep pain. And I think we also experience that. Our lives are truly contrast. We see times of pure joy, but also times of sorrow. We see times of pleasure and excitement and fun, but we also experience pain. Times of clarity where we know exactly what God's going to do for us and what we're going to, but then times of confusion. Times of purpose, but also times of aimlessness. Just like we have to and still do today, Mary's finding herself through life, having to go navigate the waters and figure out her calling as a child of God. But I love her response. Because in the beginning, everything is exciting. Here I am, Lord. I'm the servant. How many of us have said that a time or two? You get excited for the Lord. You feel like he's bringing you into something new. And you're like, here I am. This is great. I remember so many years at camp. One specifically, we did the full teenager talking about purity and all that stuff that you have to kind of talk about when you're a teenager. And I remember coming home and I was like, I'm going to be a changed man. 12 years old, I'm not going to do anything bad to any woman. The next woman that I date is going to be my wife, and everything's going to be great. And I came home, I was like, here I am. Things are great. I was like, Mom, the next woman I'm, I date is going to be my wife. We're going to get married because that's what God calls us to do, and that's the great thing to do, and it's so awesome. And she says, yeah, honey, okay. You know, yeah, okay. Bless your little heart, as she always says. But we get excited so much for what God has for us. And we see Mary so excited. After a little bit of confusion, right, because sometimes God calls us into something and we're like, man, I don't know. I don't know about all that. But then you go through and you're like, finally, okay, here I am. I'm, I'm here, Lord. What do, you, what do you want me to do? But we see from that moment onward that her life descends into haze. It descends into huge contrast between pain and sorrow and joy and clarity, all these different emotions, all these different feelings that she had to go through, just like we do right now. And I want you to know why she has to go through that. She has to go through that because she's Mary. And you're like, I don't, what does that mean? She has to go through that because she's human, because she's imperfect. Because the time that Adam sinned, we all have to live in sinful nature ways. We have to live in a messy world. And Mary is no exception. Just She's the mother of Jesus, but she had to go through the same thing that me and you had to go through. And I'll show you a few examples of why Mary's life was a mess. Number one, Mary's marriage started off in a mess. I mean, guys, I'm talking to you right now. 
If your wife came to you and said, I'm pregnant with the Holy Spirit, what is your first reaction? Because I know mine. It ain't the <laughs> it's not going to be as much as Joseph. It's probably exactly like Joseph's, actually. It was a mess. It started off in a mess. At that time, obviously, you were going to get divorced, but also you would get stoned to death. It's real. That's a mess. She brought shame and all that stuff to her family because of the perceived notion that she had committed adultery. She was a, brought embarrassment over Joseph in this time. I mean, I don't know. You know, we're, we're starting our marriage out, and it's been great, but, you know, starting a marriage like that, that's hard. Marriage is already hard enough. And I can't help but think that just like that, like, we go through those issues. I know for me and my wife, and she's up here looking awesome, that the first four years of us dating, right, was perfect, almost too perfect, almost a little weird. And I'm, I'm a vent a little bit. Because I was terrified the first four years of my relationship because we never fought. And I'm being dead serious. We never fought. It was kind of scary. I would go to my parents and be like, she won't say anything back. She's too nice. I don't know what to do. I feel like a bad person all the time because she's amazing and she never wants to fight with me. And I start like poking at her and nothing. But then we got married. And then we got married. And I found out a lot about her, and she found out a lot about me. And one of the biggest things we have is we spend money a little bit differently. How many people deal with that? Spend money just a little bit differently. So uh, next to my wife is her good friend and family member, Jennifer Winters. Some of you may know her. And uh, they're awesome, and they enjoy their times together. But one day, Jennifer thought it was really exciting to show my wife Costco. We shop at H-E-B. That's it. I'm a Texas boy through and through. And so my wife goes, and this is it. My wife spends money, but this is why she spends money. I'll give you one word. Sales. The sales. If she spent $100 and I spent $100, if she got the sales and I didn't, I was wrong. That's just the way it is, fellas. We got to live with it. But she comes home with five huge bottles of dish soap. I hate doing the dishes. She hates doing the dishes. We didn't even go through five bottles of dish soap last year all together alone. And I'm like, why do you need that? She goes, because you get them for a dollar less if you buy them in bulk. I'm like, there's only two of us. Why do we need that much dish soap? I don't understand. So sometimes we think we have a great relationship. We all deal with something. And there's more to it. That was just more of a lighthearted joke. But we all struggle in marriages sometimes. It's just the truth. The second one is that Mary, finances were in a mess. Now, call me crazy, but don't you think, you know, they, they came back to Bethlehem, and there was no place to stay at the inn. Okay. But you're telling me that if Joseph didn't have excessive amount of money, he could not find a place for his wife to have a sanitized birth, at least better than a stable. You mean no one is going to take extra money? They'll find somewhere to stay if you, if you can pay it. But the issue was he didn't have that. They were a carpenter. 
They didn't make a lot of money. And I can't help but think maybe in this season where we're going through financial issues, and especially in the Christmas season where we spend way more money than what we bring in, that we don't go through financial issues sometimes. So she, her marriage is somewhat of a mess, and her finances are a mess because they're not great. But the third one is her community's in a mess. At that time, King Herod, a lot of people who know him, was trying to kill Jesus. And by he wanted to kill Jesus so bad that he wipes out an entire city of babies to get to Jesus. And I thought we had it bad. Their community was a mess. With the year of the election and everything going on that we see on Fox and CNN, I can't help but think that maybe we deal with a little bit of mess in our country, in our community sometimes as well. So her marriage is in a mess. Her finances is in a mess. Her community and the world she lives in is in a mess. It's safe to say that Mary's world is a mess. But the angel said, greetings, highly favored one. See, the calling was beautiful, but the reality was different. Should I get that? The, the calling is beautiful, but the reality is, is much different. I wonder if there are times in your life that you feel like Mary. There are times when perhaps maybe even today, your life is a little bit of a mess. If there are things that you're holding on to that you wish you could just dump out, that there are issues you wish could just go away. We can look at our lives and I guarantee you, you can find something, some chaos, something. Relationships aren't the way that we want them to be. Our boss is always mad at us and our work life is terrible and I hate where I work and, and, and I hate the day-to-day -day pressures that I have on myself and I have to live up to this standards and I'm not good enough. And, and so I, I just want to get away. I just want to drop all these feelings and these emotions that I'm feeling that make me stressed out. I'm going through anxiety. I can't see my friends. I can't go to school. I can't go to work. I have to work from home and now I can't separate work life from home life and all those different things. We are going through that right now. And sometimes in our lives, it seems like a, such a great contrast from the once hopes and dreams that we thought we were going to have. But of course, I'm here to bring you good news. Because, see, the story isn't about Mary. I just wanted you to see how much of a life her mess is in. See, the story isn't about Mary at all. See, the story is about that this was a mess and that a miracle had to come into the mess to save the world. And Mary couldn't see it because maybe because of the external mess that was in, just like sometimes the external messes of life uh, uh, cloud our judgment and the reality and we can't see it, but there was a miracle waiting to emerge in the mess, and that is Jesus Christ. The Savior of the world was coming in, and while she couldn't see it at first, it was coming. Just because you don't see it doesn't mean that it's not coming into the world. I wonder if there is a, a miracle in your mess right now. 
I wonder if there's something externally going on in your heart that's stopping you from seeing the miracle right now. I wonder if there's some kind of thought and twisted mind in, in, in your mind and you're thinking one way and you just can't get the sense of it that's blocking your view to see the miracle right now. And maybe if we just had a little bit of hope and a little bit of faith in a very faithless world and a little bit of hope in a very hopeless world, maybe we would just catch a glimpse, just a, a, a little glimpse of the miracle that is in the mess. So how do we get to this part of the story? How did we get here right now? See, before Mary found out she was going to have Jesus, see, before the angel came and said a word to Mary at all, before anything happened, before any notion of Jesus coming, there had to be a choice. And luckily for you and me today, we didn't get to make that choice. Someone far greater, someone far powerful and omnipotent in his way of thinking and his choices that he makes, he got to make the choice. And that choice was made by God. And he sat up there and seen the mess and he seen what Mary was going through and he seen all of the external things that were happening and he looked down at Mary and said, I want you. I choose you. Do, you, do we not think that God did not see what was going to happen before it happened? Like, do, you, do you think that God didn't know that he was going to have to be birthed in a stable? Do you not know that King Herod was going to come after him and kill him? Do you think he didn't know that Mary didn't have the best life and, and she, didn't have the, she was going to have issues with her marriage and she was going to have financial issues and her community was crazy and, and, and all this stuff? Like he knew that. And yet, he still chose Mary. I want to show you another story in the Bible. If you have your Bibles, you can flip there. It's in Luke chapter 5, just a few chapters away in, in verse 1. And so in Luke chapter 5, verse 1, this is another story. Jesus has grown up now. And it says, one day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Genesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats and the one belonging to Simon, who we would know later as Peter, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. Here's the thing in this story. I've read this story a hundred times, and I've probably heard so many passages over it. And, but as I sat on this verse, I meditated on it, and I was thinking about it, and I finally realized that one thing, and I don't know if you caught it, but that there was two boats. And this is at the Sea of Galilee, that body of water. And sea, uh, Galilee was known for fishermen was known for fishing. They even had a place in territory called the Place of Nets. I feel like you have a place called Place of Nets. You are a country known for fishing. And so you're telling me out of all the boats in this region, in this place, right here, right now, 
Why did Jesus choose Peter's boat? Do you know who Peter is? Peter's crazy. Peter cut the ear off the high priest. I couldn't even hurt no one with a dagger, more or less cut someone's ear off. Like, you have to be insane for that. They said he was bludgeoned in nature. He was prone to failure. He was prone to failing. He was not very good. Do we fail? Do we have failures? Peter sounds a lot like us. But he was crazy, and he was not the right choice from a human perspective. But God sent Jesus in the world, and Jesus, being the Son of God, which is still God, he chooses Peter's boat. He says, I know your mess. I know the things that are going on. I know that you're crazy and you're prone to failures and you're not a very great leader, but I choose to get in your boat. Mary's life was a mess and it was all discombobulated. It was all messed up and God said, I want to get in your boat, Mary. I want to get in there with you. See, God's purpose for Peter and Mary's life did not stop at the mess. Just like in your life, that God does not, God's purpose for your life does not stop at the mess. If it stopped at the mess, it would be over for all of us. But luckily, it does not stop with the mess at all. See, here's the part of the story that makes the whole entire thing come together. See, everyone thinks that the disciples became the disciples because they dropped the nets. The issue is, is that the disciples became the disciples is when Jesus chose them. When God chose them. Mary didn't become the, the, the mother of Jesus because she's like, here I am, Lord. He became, she became the mother of Jesus because God said, you, I want you. Mary's story of the virgin birth of Jesus didn't start when she accepted the calling, it started when God chose her. So as we end today, this will be really short and simple and to the point with you guys. I want to share a story with you actually this morning. And it was like this God thing that happened in my life this week. Uh, as I was driving to work, I started a new job, and I drive to work. Who, who's who's a, a creature of habit in here? You do the same thing all the time, every day. Okay, I'm not the crazy, weird one. I thought I was going to be the only one raising my hand. So I take the same route, the same streets, the same highways, the same exits every single day to work. And I take the same streets, the same highways, the same exits all the way back home. And I do that all the time. And you know how you get to work, and you know how you get home from work. And you get to a point in your life, right, where you don't even think about going to work. You just get in your car and you start it, and somehow you make it there. If that's not you, I'm sorry, but that's me. I, after I get off work, I'm tired. I get in my truck. Somehow I make it home. I don't know how it happens. I just do. My muscle memory kicks in. And we just, it, it takes control of our lives, and we just go. We just do it. We just, we just go. Not even thinking. Not thinking about anything else. And as I was driving to work, I wasn't, I was jamming probably something, I don't know what it was. And I was driving to work, all of a sudden something happened. 
and my anxiety went through the roof and my stress went through the roof and I was freaking out and I was like, what's going on? And I realized that I was in fog. Now I know you're like, that's a sermon series, Hope in the Haze. I'm not lying. Ask Sarah Yandel. She's seen it. I was driving and I hit the fog and the once muscle memory that I had, I ended up losing that. And I started freaking out and I started getting anxiety and stress overcoming me. And I fumbled over for my phone to pull out the GPS and, and, and to look at it to figure out where I was going to go because this is the densest fog I've ever seen in my life. And even with the GPS, I still couldn't figure out where to go. I just kept passing exits and I was like, I can't see anything at all. And I can't help but think that's how 2020 has been for us. We were all going through life and doing our thing and going to work and providing for our families and, you know, going to church and bringing the family and everything was good to go. Just like the routines of everyday normal life. And then one day, a fog happened and it came. And the once muscle memory that we had, it went through the roof and out the window and some of us didn't know what to do. And our stress went up and our anxiety went up and, and the things that we had planned didn't happen the way that we had them planned. But I wanna tell you today that there is a hope in that miracle. The miracle that is in the mess, it is there. That life seems foggy now, but I promise you, there's a light. We have put your faith and trust in Jesus this season. He's gonna get you through anything that you've ever went through and anything that you're ever going to go through. If you don't mind, could you just stand with me for just a second? I wanna give y'all a moment to think about this. don't mind closing your eyes with me. I was praying for you this week. I was thinking about you this week. Some of you, I don't know your names, but trust me, people were praying for you to be here. People were praying for you in this season. And the mess that you're going through, people prayed for that mess this year. I don't know what you're going through. God knows what you're going through. And I want you to know that there was a choice to be made. And I want you to know that you did not choose first. So who chose who first? I think Jesus chose you. I think Jesus chose to get in your boat a long time And I want you to know that you are the called one, that you are favored, and he wants the best for you, and he wants the best for your children, he wants the best for your kids, he wants the best, everything for you. It doesn't matter the mess that you're in today, he wanted to get in your boat at the
this time, the right time, right here, right now. He doesn't care about the baggage that you hold. He doesn't care about the shame that you have. He doesn't care about anything that is going on in your life. He's saying, drop the baggage. Let me get in your boat. Let me control your life. I will show you the way. I will bring you home. If you just trust in me, I will give you everything that you have. If you believe that today, I want you to respond by giving Jesus your life this 2020. 2020 is not over. He still wants to work with you.